and so this morning what I want to do is I just want to talk to you just from my heart. And uh, I just believe this. How many of you believe that healed people heal people? Okay. How many of you have been forgiven? Okay. The rest of you, we don't know where you at. What's going on? So how many of you have been forgiven by God? Aren't you glad about that? You know, I believe this. Forgiven people should be the people that, that forgive others. Amen. Just like people that have been healed. How many of you have had compassion given to you or love or encouragement? Come on. And then you should pass that along. And see, this morning, I know that when I was going through, I was diagnosed with cancer about six years ago. And when I was diagnosed, it went into being stage uh, four. And I just let you know right now, I'm a Ned. No evidence of disease in my body. God has healed me. And... Uh, but while I was going through that, there was, uh, actually, I stepped on my glasses on the way here. So if I squint, I don't really see that well. But uh, in my Bible, I need my glasses. But uh, there was just some faith builders that I live by. No, it's all right, baby. I can't say, oh, I don't want yours. No, I don't want to look feminine. And, uh, and, uh, and so uh, what happened is, um, you know, I just remember. How many of you remember moments in your life where God just showed up? You just remember. Like you, you had a moment where you were going, man, God, I need you to show up. God, God, you got to show up. God, that man I've been praying for, there he is, show up. God, you know, maybe, maybe you just, or you had backwards against the wall and you needed a job and you said, God, this is it. Give me favor. It's not even fair. Or you've been in a place where you're going, you know, God, I'm believing for my kids to get into this thing that you've been believing God for them to be able to participate in maybe some event or whatever. And God just opens the door and we all know it's God. And sometimes we have to learn to remember where God has taken us and what God has done in our lives. Amen. I'm not, I'm not where I used to be, praise God, but I know that God has greater things for me in my future, just like he has that for you as well. And so I remember all those moments where God just showed up. And sometimes I had to think those things through when I was in the chemotherapy, when I was getting uh, treatments and I was going through things. And I just began to go, God, I thank you that, that God, I trust you no matter what I have to walk through. No matter, but I'm believing you're going to heal me. You're going to touch me. But, but Lord, while I'm in these circumstances, I'm going to tell people about you and I'm going to pray for people. Listen, when I was the sickest I was, I was praying for everybody that I knew. And I still do that. When I hear people that are sick, I just pray for them because I believe that's a seeds to what God wants to do in my life. All right. And you know, you, 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 you plant something and you're going to reap something. I believe it. Amen. And I, I can remember just have that. And then I, I recounted all those times when God just showed up. I recounted all those times when God sent people to put encouragement in my life. And so when I remember and I recount, I can do this. I can rejoice. And I can, I'm, you know, and sometimes we forget. I, the thing I don't, I, I just have a hard time with. We should be the most grateful, thankful people on the face of the earth as Christians. Amen. We shouldn't be drinking pickle juice and going, hey, hmm. Hey, I love Jesus, and you need a knowing too. I mean, that, that, that's not attractive. Amen? What's attractive is when someone's real, someone's authentic, someone's vulnerable. They can tell you the truth of what they've walked through and where they've been. Amen? Amen. And so I'm here just to tell you, you know what? I remember where I came from. I recount all the times that God showed up. And this morning, I'm rejoicing in God's faithfulness. Because God doesn't just want to show faithfulness to me as an individual. He wants you to remember where he has been in your life. And he wants you to learn to recount those moments when you were, felt like giving up. How many of you ever felt like giving up before? Yes. Okay, the rest of we're praying for the rest of you. 
I mean, let me, let me ask you, how about this week? How many of you just, you went in circumstances, you go, I don't like what I'm going through, and I don't like what I'm seeing, and I don't like what I'm walking through, and I want to quit. You ever feel that way? Come on. Yeah. All right, now we're getting real around here. And we're getting a little vulnerable, and that's where we need to be. We just need to be real. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to take you in the Gospel of Luke, and I'm going to read a story, and I want to give you some ideas, and I'm going to read, I'm going to read three different stories in the Gospels and uh, just to share with you. So let's just go right into it. I'm going to read a little bit uh, right here. It says, in Luke chapter 8, verse 26 through 39, And then they sailed to the country of Gingeris, which was opposite of Galilee. When Jesus stepped out on the land, there he met... there. There met him a man from a city who had demons. For a long time, he had worn no clothes. In other words, he was naked boy. Say it with me, naked boy. Can you imagine you're greeting at the visitor center in Jennings at the oil thing, you know, right, I-10 Park. Can you imagine if you're going there, you're getting out of your car, and you're going to find out what Jennings is all about, and you're greeted by naked boy. Can you imagine what that would be like? Okay? Not a good sight, Right? Let me ask you, aren't you glad that we all have clothes on this morning? Somebody got excited. Because clothes hide our nakedness. And some things we just want people to see. Amen? And so I'm going to leave it at that. But anyway. And so what happens is, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. So he was hanging around dead things. Things that were just dead. That'd be like hanging out in the graveyard, right? You're driving in the tent, Jennings off of Highway 97 right there. And, 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 you know, you see a guy running between the tombs. And so and he cried. And that's what he said. And he lived among the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, look what he did. He cried out. Say when me, say he cried out. And he fell down before him and said with a loud voice. Say it with a loud voice. This is what he says. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many, for many a time it had seized him and it kept him under guard and bound, and bound him with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? He said, and he said, Legion, for I'm from South Louisiana and there are many demons in us. No, I'm, I'm sorry. And... Uh, and he says, and they begged him not to, not, to command, not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now, a large group of pigs and was feeding there on the hillside. We know he was caging because there was pigs near. We know there was a, there was a boucherie fixing to happen. Amen? That's crackling in Boudin, right on the hill. You know, and, and they begged him to let them enter these. And he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered to the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Then the herdsmen saw what had happened. They fled and told it to the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man whom they, who had demons had gone out. And look what it says. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And look what it says they were. And they were afraid. I've learned this. When someone is at the feet of Jesus. What does that mean? It means, Pastor, what does that mean, Pastor? I said, that's when someone begins to say, you know what? I'm going to meet Jesus. Listen, when I think 36 years ago, I didn't meet religion. I met Jesus. You see, I grew up, you've heard me, but for all you new people, you're just new bait. Let me just tell you right now. 
My mother was Methodist. My dad was Baptist. His mama was Jehovah Witness. My mom's mom was charismatic. She married another man and he was Catholic. So I didn't need religion. I needed out of my state of confusion. And so what happens is, and we're not going to talk about religion because I've been to Catholic school, Episcopal school, public school, got kicked out of that, went back to Catholic school. Then they told me I couldn't stay there, but they sent me to another one. Anyway, by the time I graduated, I was in 14 different schools. You do the math. And sitting at the feet of Jesus, and it says, clothe. You know what thing I love about God? We can go around wearing grave clothes, but God puts his grace clothes over us. He clothes us. And see, he was, he was, he was, listen, he was at the feet of Jesus. I've learned when I spend time with God and I stay in his presence, he will clothe me for whatever I face for that day. Does that make sense? And then I like what he says, and he was in his right mind. How many of you got some stinking thinking in your mind you wake up to sometimes in the morning? How many of you know that we all hear voices? Oh, that's what's wrong with you, Pastor Bubba. You hear voices. Yes, I do. I hear voices every day. How about you? Let me see. How many of you hear voices every day when you get out of your bed? One voice goes, stay in. Especially this morning, you had an extra hour. You should have been here. You're here. Oh, that's right. Good. You know what? But we have things, you know, I'll do this. Don't do that. Yeah, you can't. Well, what will they think? Well, what, who cares what they think? And we, we have those voices that speak to us. And what happens is right here, and they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Weren't they afraid of naked boy running around? I've learned this. I remember when I got saved, my friends were not afraid of me until I knew Jesus. And then what would happen? They'd go, oh, there he is. Man, he is going nuts. This Jesus thing. I remember my mom looked at me one day and she goes, I liked you better the way you used to be before you start telling everybody about Jesus. And I said, well, good. I'll come in late, wake you up. I'll be drunk. You'll have to throw up in your bathroom and my sister's pantyhose. That was my friend that did that. And while she was getting ready to go to church. And I mean, I'm going to go all that. And she goes, no, no, no. I like you better the way you are now. So let's go, let's read on. Y'all with me? And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people in the surrounding country of Genesis would ask him to depart from them. And they were seized with great fear. Say it with me. Say great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. And the man whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. You know, the greatest place where you find out when you really give your life to God or someone really does when you go home. When you go home and you display it at your house, you know. There's a lot of people that talk a lot about God, but they don't display it in their marriage. They don't display it with their children. They don't display it with, you know, in the way they live or at work or wherever they go. And see, the townspeople were more afraid of a man sitting at the feet of Jesus than they were of a man possessed by devils. You see, I believe this is that many of us were drawn and pulled and, and it, before we knew the Lord. How many of you know that a lot of you ended up doing things, saying things, and, and acting out certain things that you know that you know that was not of God and that you were possessed? 
and you were listening to other voices. Hear me? Hey, come on, look, come on. Don't don't look at me all religious. <laughs> I know where you're from. You're from Jennings Lake Arthur Hathaway. I know how y'all live. <laughs> There's three questions I want to ask. I'm with, I want, I need you to answer today. The first question is, what do you want? What do you want? You know, the one thing I've learned about Jesus, he always, he'll always ask us, what do you want? What do you believe in God for right now in your life? What do you want? What do you need from God? You see, in Luke chapter 18, I'm going to read another story. And, and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Now, he drew near to uh, Luke 18, verse 35 through 41. And he drew near to Jericho. And a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And he heard a crowd going by and he inquired what this meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. How many of you have ever been desperate something before? You, You ever lose your mama when you were a little kid? You ever have your children lose you in that experience? Come on. You're, hey, where are you, boys? You're so afraid. You don't know what happened to them. How many of you don't talk mamas? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, my God, where are they? Someone took them. I remember one time my boys went to a friend's house, and my wife was, like, looking. The police came looking for them, they were, and they couldn't find them. And after a while, they came outside, and she was so, first she was relieved. Then she wanted to kill them. I think they got the spanking of their life for their mom that day. Because there's one thing being afraid, and another thing, you know, I'm getting some relief off of my fear right now. But what happens is, he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front of him rebuked him. In other words, saying to him, be silent. In other words, the crowd's going, shut up. He ain't got time for you. We know who you are. We know what kind of person you are. And look what he says. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near him, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus is asking the same question today. What do you want Jesus to do? See, blind Bartimaeus, I like to call him Bart. Bart was really the one who saw and the crowd was really the one who were blind. See, do you want to be healed? How many of you need a healing in your body? How many? Come on, let's be honest. Maybe you got some bad news or some things. You got aches and pains and things that you need. Here I am. I'm talking about healing this morning. My back, I have a back ache that I haven't ever had in my entire life. And I got a cold. And I'm preaching healing. I'm going to preach my way through this. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so what happens is... He said, right, right here, do you, do, you need to be, do you want to be free? How many of you have got some things that you want to be free of in your life? Come on. You got, some, you got some junk in the trunk you don't want no one to know, but you know what it is. Come on. Come in. Oh, you said that. I ain't raising my hand now, Pastor Bible. People are going to think I'm a weirdo. No. You know what? You're just normal because there are things I know this. Without God, I can do nothing. But with God in me, he said, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And he says, do you want to be whole? How many of you need to be just wholeness? Just feel like I'm just together. Pastor, you don't know what my marriage is like. You don't know what my children are like. My children were born and bred in hell. (laughs) 
Let's get verse 41 and 43. And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. He says, your faith, your faith has made you whole. Jesus said in this, he said, he said, if you have a faith like a mustard seed, you can say that mulberry tree to be lifted up and cast into the sea. In Luke eleven twenty four, it says this. If you ask, believe. If you ask, you believe. He said, receive. It's that easy. And sometimes we just don't ask. Hello. Because see, being from South Louisiana, look at me. Here's a lesson we all learn. If someone, when I was a little kid, my parents would go, you know, if they want to give you something, tell them thank you, but no. Come on. How many of you are talking about? That's a spirit of poverty. If someone wants to give me something, I'm taking it. I take it my mom wasn't looking. You know what I'm talking about? I can remember one time I went and edge of a lady that was in a wheelchair. It's terrible. I look back. I was like a, about nine years old. And I was like, you ever do like edging when they used to have the little things with the wheels? Like that's like real work. And I remember we could get like 75 cents if you edge someone's yard. And I remember I was going around with my, my dad's edger and I'd go and I said, can I edge it? And you know, I did and I did it. I edged the whole yard. But one thing I did, I edged the front, but I didn't sweep it up. My dad came home. He said, did you edge that lady's yard? I go, yes, sir. He goes, and you didn't sweep up the front? I go, no, sir. He said, you go give her back her 75 cents. I'm like, in my mind, I go, say what, fool? No. <laughs> I mean, dad. But I learned a principle. Like my old friend, Angelo Gonzalez, you can't hide from God. You know, we can hide from people, but we can't hide from God. And so let's go on. And so what happens is, he said, all the people, when they saw it, immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. See, when Jesus taught a crowd about the kingdom of heaven, he always showed them heaven. See, Bart was had a had a expect, he had a ex, ex, an expectation, he had an expectancy about what he was doing when he cried out. In the Gospel of Mark, it says Bartimaeus left his garment, and a garment they had a, what they called beggars' garments. You would wear, if you were identified, you would wear a certain garment and identified you as a beggar or someone that was in need. And what happened is he was blind and so he was looking for money and handouts and help. And so what he would do, he'd wear this garment. But the Bible says when he went to Jesus, when he cried out, he left his garment behind. And sometimes we've allowed identity of what we are to be put on us. And sometimes we need to leave the identity that people put on us and what the devil puts on us in the world and say, I'm leaving that behind and I'm going to go towards Jesus and I'm going to let him put new garments of, on my life. I'm going to let him clothe me. I'm going to let him do what he wants to do in my life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And sometimes we need to leave that old identity. I'm not Bubba McCann, the dope pusher. I'm not Bubba McCann, the manipulator. I'm not Bubba McCann, the liar. I'm not Bubba McCann, the thief. I'm Bubba McCann, the child of the living God. I've left those garments. The enemy always wants us to pick them up. Come on. He wants it. And that's staying right there. And see, what happens is, is that they, what happened, in other words, once he heard Jesus' voice, he said in faith, 
I don't need this garment. I don't need this lifestyle anymore. I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't need this anymore. You ever get that? You ever get sick and tired of being sick and tired? Yes. I just don't want this anymore. You ever get mad at yourself and fuss at yourself? I remember my dad when he was trying to kick smoking cigarettes. He was going, he cussed out a cigarette one time. Dang, I hope that helps. He was so frustrated. You ever have that where sometimes you get so frustrated? You just go, can't believe this. I don't want to be like, I don't want this to be my identity anymore. I want freedom in my life. And that's what Barnabas was. He was blind. He said, man, I want to see God. I want to see Legion carrying around. He said, God, I just want to be free. I've learned this about God. He brings freedom and he takes off blind, blind eyes and he allows us to see like we've always wanted to see. And it's not about religion. It's about Jesus and what he does and what he wants to do in people's lives and set them free and give you the dream. And you begin to live the dream you've always dreamed of living, how you wanted to live your life filled with freedom. You know, I don't have that voice in the morning anymore. Come on, man, find your, find your stuff. You know, the zigzag man, I'm over here. You can roll me up. Killed that sucker a long time ago. Some of y'all laughing, but y'all got to get rid of him. It's legal in Oregon and Washington, but not here. Some of you, I don't know what it, what it is with you, but sometimes we have these voices that speak to us and want us to indulge in those things. And sometimes we want to justify them. And then we end up... See, what happens is sometimes people, they live the way they want to all week. And they come to church and they pray for God to give them crop damage of everything they planted in their heart all week. Thanks for all those amens for that one. You see... You know, I believe this is that I'm expecting the Lord to do a work in me. I believe that God wants to do a work in you. How many believe that? See, some of you need to be in the church so you can begin to believe that God loves you and he really does want to do a work in you. That he bring, He wants to bring freedom. He didn't want you to just be religious and say, hey, brother, hey, how's it going? Brother means you don't know their name. Freedom is like, you know what? I don't care what people think about me anymore. I want to live for the one. I want to live for God. And you know what? When I begin to decide to live for God and preach my way out of lifestyles, and when I say preach my way, just talk my way out of it. I remember the last time I ever did smoke dope with some of my friends. And I just looked at them and said, I started telling them about Jesus. And they're going, oh, Bubba, come on, man. Come on, just take a hit of this. Be the old Bubba. I remember him saying, come on, just be back. We want you back. We just want you back. And I remember thinking, you want me back? And I, I, I'm standing up here today and thinking, now I, I go, I ain't going back. You see, some of you, listen to me. It may not be drugs. It could be other things. You need to draw the line in the sand and say, I'm not crossing that line anymore. And I'm not going back to the lifestyle that 
held me, kept me blind, and was driving me wherever I wanted to, wherever it wanted me, where it wanted to take me, in places I didn't even want to go, and people that I really didn't even like. Thanks for all those amen. See, I believe a person who experiences a touch from God is proof enough that Jesus is who he says he is. The second thing, see, the first question is, is that what do you, what do you want? The second question this morning is, what do you have? What do you have? See, Acts, it says it like this. Acts chapter 3, you know the story. It's about Peter and John. They were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer in the ninth hour, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, and, and there was a lame man. And theologians say, I read one of the commentaries. It said, this guy was so badly lame that his feet weren't even connected to the sockets at the end of his legs. Okay, and so here he is laying there at at the temple or be like outside the church. And he's begging people as they're going into their temple for for money, for help. And the place that he laid was called the beautiful gate. And he was asking and and Peter and John see him and they're going into the temple and they ask him for some money. Hey, hey, you you know how beggars are. Hey. What's up? I've been to other countries and I've seen real beggars at, at work. And when I've seen them and it's like, it's just, you know, they move your heart. And here he is, he's begging. And he direct, the Bible says, and that Peter direct his gaze and, as did John and said, and he said this, hey, look at us, look at us. And he fixed his attention to them, expecting to receive something. He's like, ooh, I'm going to give me some folding stuff today. Ain't no jingle jangle from these guys. These guys look serious. And then, we, and then what they did is Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And you know what? That brother got his blanket rose up and began to walk. A miracle. And see, some of us, we're so satisfied with us and our circumstances and we get attention from that. God's saying this morning, it's time for you to rise out of your circumstance. It's time for you to walk. Because see, Peter didn't go, you know, Peter, Apostle Peter, Worldwide Ministries, Healing Ministry, healed the man at the beautiful temple gate. He didn't start his own TV show. No, what he had, he heard from God and said, I want you to give it away, son. And I believe this. You can't give what you don't have. You just can't. See, the story is told. That it was a story. The Pope was counting his money one day. And he's getting his silver and gold in his chest. And he's counting. counting. And, and all of a sudden, St. Thomas Aquinas walks in. And he goes, hey, Thomas, how's it going today, man? He says, hey, Thomas, you see, man, we can't go around saying silver and gold have we no more. And Thomas Aquinas looked at me and neither can we say rise and walk either. See, what we've done with modern religion or modern Christianity, we've taken away the purity of the gospel, of what, what God can change in a lifestyle. Are you hearing me? But I believe this. There's the power of the gospel that sets men and women free, and God still does miracles in people's lives. You can't give away what you don't have. God is asking you to give what you don't have. 
You know, yesterday, it was yesterday, no, it was Friday. Friday, I had one of the guys, I like to keep my trucks and my cars real clean and waxed and all that stuff. Because I believe I'm a steward of what God gives me. And if he keeps it nice, you can get more money at it when you get to sell it. Amen? It's the truth. And so, Pastor Jamie bought me a, a detailed car wash for Pastor Appreciation. For me and my wife's car, and we're going to detail it. It's a guy in one of our campuses. I'm going to tell you one, tell you which one, because I don't want you to have to use. Anyway, just, just trust me. And so he had a young guy come, and he was washing our cars and going to wax them and everything. Because see, in the old school days, a full detail was they wash it, they wax it, they they shampoo your carpet. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? But not millennials. He washed his car, and I go, "Hey, bro, where's the buffer?" Buff it. We don't buff that. Go, what? He goes, we spray on wax. You spray on wax. Well, how do you get scratches and things? And oh, no. And, and then after he finishes doing my car, my truck, I go, man, he, goes, he comes in. Hey, what do you think? I said, man, it got like film all over my windows. I'm like you can't even hardly see through them. It was just like greasy film. And he goes, I go, I go, must be your rag. Oh, no, my rags are good. And I go, bro, I'm telling you, it's your rag. No, no, no. And he said, can I show you something? Old school. Really? Let me show you. You know how you get a window really clean? I go in my house and I get what I need. And I go, it's called Windex and newspapers. <laughs> or vinegar and water newspapers actually better. And I did it and he goes, man, those windows shine. I said, old school, baby. <laughs> and then I said, and you call that wax? Look at all the marks on my, on my hood and stuff. I'm like... You, I mean, yeah, but they don't give me, they don't give me no buffer. They don't, you can't use what you ain't got. Come on. And I go, well, bro, let me, let me show you something. I'll go get my wax and I just whack, wax on some, you know, I was playing karate kid, wax on, wax off. And so I wax it on real quick on a part of my hood and I wax it off and I go, see, let me show you your wax and my wax. I say, see this rag? I'm going to just kind of throw it on my hood, see what it does. My wax, it went, whoosh, the rag just flew off. And I go, your wax? Bro, that ain't wax. He goes, wow. He goes, I promise you. He goes, can I take a picture of your wax bottle? Meguiar's classic. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, the sad thing is sometimes we show up and we do all this advertising for God. And it just doesn't go the way we thought. Because you're not putting in what you need to put in your life. You're not at the feet of Jesus. You're not being clothed by him. And then all of a sudden, are y'all with me? I'm getting a little serious. I know I can feel the barometer changing. What, What you have is what God wants you to give away. See, what do you have? Do you have forgiveness? How many of you have been forgiven? I did a survey while ago. How many of you have been forgiven? Come on. Then give forgiveness away. Don't hold bitterness. Don't hold things back. Don't hold unforgiveness. If you've been forgiven, come on. Y'all real quiet here. Y'all look like mules standing at the gate. You see my perspective. See, the bottom line for all of us is that, you know, in this portion right here, if you've received healing, you need to give healing away. If you, how many of you have received grace in your life? How many of you have received some love where you didn't deserve it? Come on. I like being loved by my wife. Come on. 
But see, not only that, how about compassion? How many had some compassion when you didn't deserve it? Come on. How many of you had a sweet mama? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Mama, come over there. She's go, baby. Come on. See me see. Let mama see. Oh, baby. I'm not going to get the monkey blood like your mama gets. I'm just going to blow on it. Oh, mama. You're so sweet. Second Corinthians says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Do you remember where you came from? See, it doesn't matter what side of the street you're from, what side of the river. It doesn't matter if you're white or you're black. It doesn't matter what school you came from. You've got to know this, that God loves you. And he can take you from whatever circumstances you're in or where you've come from, and he can do what only he can do. And then God can get the glory, and everyone, all your friends go, I know where they came from, but look what God has done. The third and final point, and I'm going to, it says, the question is, what are you going to do? When I started this message, I, st- I looked at the story of Legion, and after Jesus healed Legion in chapter 8, I want us to look at, what he did in chapter 9. See, I saw what he did. Now, he's, now it's your turn. You see, Jesus is saying, guys, you see every, you've seen everything I've done. But now it's your turn to go out and do everything I've done. And he said this in, in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 9. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them what? Power. What did he give them? Power. Do you know you have power? If your life is plugged in to God, you have power. You have power to perform what you can't do in your own. Because the Bible says it's not you anyway. It's him inside of you. Come on. And so what happens, he's given his power and authority to cast out what? All. All. What does all mean in the Greek? You know, I looked it up in the Greek. In Hebrew, it means all. And healed all. How many diseases? All All diseases. Not just some. Not when he feels like it. You know, God may be having a bad day, so he don't want to listen to me today and listen to all the things that I'm walking through. You know what? Then verse 2 said, Then he sent them to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. See, after giving them both ability and authority, Jesus commissioned 12, the 12 to go in to go in simplicity and do what he had, what they had seen him do previously. See, God's not trying to do anything complicated. He's saying, guys, you saw what I did. Now I've given you authority. I've given you power. Now go do it. Let me ask you, you've been forgiven. Who are you forgiving? You've been healed. Who are you praying that God would heal? You don't have to have some kind of special TV ministry to be successful or have a healing ministry or anything like that. You can just be a normal Christian that loves God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you're saying, you know, and I'm just believe God at his word and he can do whatever he said he could do. And I'm just going to pray for you. I don't, I don't know how to pray for people to get healed, but I know God healed me. God healed them. That's the simplest thing you can do. 
You know, when I was going through my worst, I was just praying for people, encouraging people, just speaking to people. All throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus gives his disciples three simple things to do. Preach the gospel. Cast out devils. And heal the sick. Jesus is referring to all of us. In other words, we, we have three parts. Preach the gospel refers to your spirit. Hello. Cast out demons prefer, refers to your soul. Heal the sick refers to your body. Is what, is what, you, is what you're living for worth dying for? Because when I look at the disciples and I think about them, they had such an experience. All of Jesus' disciples died a martyr's death except John. Matthew was killed by a sword in Ethiopia while preaching. Peter was crucified upside down because he felt he was too unworthy to be crucified like Jesus. You know, James the Great was beheaded in Jerusalem. Bartholomew was flogged to death. James was, was, was thrown a hundred feet down from the temple because when he refused to deny his faith, and when they discovered he survived from the hundred foot fall, they got clubs and they beat him to death with that. And Thomas was stabbed with a spear in India. Andrew was whipped by, by, by seven soldiers in Greece. And then he was crucified. And his followers reported to him that he preached on the cross while he was being crucified to people around him and forgiving them for two days. Don't let your pain become your identity. Let it become your testimony. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? Look at me. When I look at Jesus, everyone that cried out to him had a pain. Jesus! Son of David, have mercy! What do you want me to do for you? I just want to, God, I want to see. I want to walk. I want to. Look at me. The same God that walked then walks between these aisles this morning. The Bible said that when Jesus left, he would send a comforter, his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job is to magnify Jesus so that we see Jesus for who he really is. And then our faith can be moved to believe God that if God can touch that person, then maybe God can touch me. You see, I believe this. When cancer, paralysis, tumors, and mental illness leaves a person's body or mind, you can't argue with them because they know what God has done in their life. See, I've met people, well, God doesn't do miracles. Really? Get sick. See, if you pray for one. Hello? I heard there's no atheists in foxholes anyway. And you know what? There'll always be prayer in America in schools as long as they administer tests. People will always pray. A person experiencing the touch of heaven is proof enough that Jesus is who he says he is. He's the healer. He's the forgiver. He's the lover of your soul. Let me ask you a question. I'm not going to beg you. I'm just going to ask you. How many need a healing in your body this morning. If you do, I want you to stand to your feet right now. And we're going to pray, God, touch you right now. Just get out of your comfort. You know what I mean? I'm going to stand. Just stand right there where you are. Stand. You go, you know what, God? You know. It's like you have that cry. 
I don't know what it is. It could be joint pain. It could be a bad report. It could be things that you're having. It could be issues of your body. It could be bleeding. It could be whatever it is. Now, if you see someone standing by you, I want you to... I want you to stand up next to them and put your hand on their shoulder because we're going to pray. Come on, get out of get out. If they're in front of you, behind you, whatever. We're going to pray. We're going to be the church this morning. We're going to gather around those that have a need this morning. And we're going to pray that God would touch them. How many believe God wants to work a miracle? And give someone a testimony this morning. Good, I'm glad. No one. How many believe that? Come on, let's pray. Let's pray like we believe. Let's pray, Father, right now in Jesus' name. It's not... It's not the volume of our prayers. It's not the length of our prayers that you're concerned with. It's the faith behind our prayers. And right now, for those that we're praying for and for those that stood up, that God, their cry is, oh God, touch me. And you know that area that needs to be touched. And Lord, right now, I pray that you would touch them, you would heal them. And God, whatever it is, whatever issue it is, I pray you would dry it up. Right now, in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, they would have a story to tell people. They would have a testimony. A story to tell what what God took them from and where God has taken them to. And I pray right now, in Jesus' name, by your authority as a believer, that God, that you would touch them, you would rid them of this, this situation. And we pray for divine healing in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said...